Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, Coach Jay here. I have Jen with me again this week as Shruti became an aunt, and congratulations to her sister on the birth of her daughter. My sister Caitlin is also with us as we discuss mental health, and she shares her stories on how she's managed hers. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay. Just want to let you know that I do offer life coaching sessions, and if you go to beammotivation.com, you can read more about me and my background and what I've done with coaching in general, including life coaching. I've always used mindset as a key component of my coaching, whether it be through life coaching or coaching with athletics. Your mindset is a big key component of your success. We've talked about accountability on the podcast as well as having your circle and the people around you that support you. And I'm here to help you hit your goals and work on mindset so you can be productive moving forward and making changes. Please check out beammotivation.com. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay and I'm back again with Jen this week while Shruti is away and I have my sister Caitlin with us. Uh, I mentioned her a few times in the podcast when we've mentioned family and, and other things and uh, today we're going to talk about mental health and I'm sure a lot of people out there have been watching the Olympics and have seen that Simone Biles has dropped out of the Olympics uh, citing mental health issues and there's been other athletes that have done so and I've mentioned a lot of times how even in the COVID situation, we were really focused on protecting our physical health and probably overlooking our mental and emotional health. And And let's start with Caitlin. Uh, what would you like to say as just a couple bullet points on mental health and what you've dealt with in the year past? Um, I think like, well, I think like in relation to Simone Biles and like everything that's going on with the Olympics, I think like one of the biggest things is um, she's brought to the forefront uh, the fact that mental health and physical health can't be separated. Um, And that's something I think that in particular I've learned over the last year or two um, that that you can't have one without the other. And I think that's like probably the biggest thing about mental health that I've um been thinking about recently trying to think of like more specific things i know in her case like and you know and a lot of people that have listened i've mentioned how we do the archery and brady ellison is number one in the world he's our top recurve archer and someone had mentioned just the coverage that archery has and it doesn't sell advertising space gymnastics and swimming sells advertising space so that's what's on our prime time it doesn't help that the olympics right now are and half a a world away from us and they're out at middle of the night. But as much pressure as he has in the archery world, she is the face of this Olympic games, just like Michael Phelps was the face of the past two or three Olympic games. And, and you'll see that where, I mean, she has the weight of the world, not just the weight of the, the gymnastic world, but the entire Olympic world watching her because she's, she's that face. And, I mean, I I can see that a lot where it's a lot of pressure. And I know, Jen, you've dealt with mental health issues um, and you've pointed out a couple of things with family members. And what would you like to say on your dealings with it? Well, just like Caitlin said, you can't separate physical health and mental health. I know that when I am having a down or a poor mental health day, 
I physically feel blah and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to help. When I am physically feeling under the weather, I feel down as well, but it's not just that. It's, we've always talked about, you know, a good mindset will help us get through anything. And yes, there are times that I feel pushing through a, I'm not quite sure I can handle this moment is a good thing to do. But we also know that there's a difference between I'm not sure I can handle this and I know I can't. And if I do this, I will injure myself. I will hurt myself. I will hurt others. And being able to distinguish the difference is, is huge. It's, it's never been before now, it's, it's never been as obvious that the mental health is an issue. I remember, you know, back in the, in the eighties, uh, the Olympics. And in fact, I was looking today, all of my Facebook feed is all the praise towards Simone Biles and the fact that she has stepped forward and say, look, I can't, this is not a good thing for me right now, physically and mentally. And I need to, for the better of myself, need to step back and step down. My feed is praising her for that. And I had a real hard time finding any negative. I was unfortunately or fortunately able to find one article where people were bashing her for it and calling her a quitter. And it's not, it's not quitting. It's not quitting when you know your limitations and you're putting your, your life on as a priority. Well, you mentioned the, the relation with physical health and, and mental health and, and I just heard R2 beeping. So you have your, the, the diabetes you deal with and, and that cross, crosses over with as much as a, a physical health issue. I know sometimes you get so drained with it. Uh, I know I've mentioned my family history and, and, and definitely have been given updates on having the stent put in and, and Caitlin uh, unfortunately comes from the same bloodlines as I do. So like Brian said, oh, I guess we're screwed with everything in our, in our background history. And I know I have a good mindset where when it first happened to me, it was like, why did this happen? I'm doing everything right. And within a couple of days, it happened now because I'm doing everything right. Otherwise it would have happened to me in my, in my 40 or early 40s, 40, 41, as opposed to 45, but about three to four weeks into rehab, I hit a wall where the emotions did hit me hard, where I was struggling and not from a physical standpoint, but that I couldn't go out and lift weights as heavy and run as fast and do things. And not so much that I physically couldn't do it, but I was being restrained by the doctors and my, my support staff to not go so fast. Um, And Caitlin, what have you dealt with, with just trying to move at a pace that's comfortable with, for you, but sometimes you might get pushed to to move a little quicker in your progress or either slow things down when you feel things are going well, but then they want you to slow things down a little. Yeah, I think I think like one of the things with like basically with what I deal with with mental health is so by the moment because I have ADHD and I have borderline personality disorder. So I am dealing with a constantly changing tide. I basically am like on a roller coaster and I don't know when the next drop will hit. And it's, it's hard for me because progress is never going to be linear in my life. So I think like one of the things that I've noticed is I will go through periods of time where 
I am not moving forward. I'm standing still and physically I'm standing still mentally. I'm standing still. And then I will start to pick up the pace a little bit more and it comes and goes. And I think that's just kind of how most people are. I think the matter of like continuing on and actually making progress is waking up every day, wanting to do more than the last day, even if you don't actually do it, but having the intention every day, um, I think is really a valuable thing. And that's been helpful for me is that like, every day is a new day, every day I can make progress on something. And a lot of it for me is like being very self aware, like having to be very honest with myself and being like, you're not trying hard enough in this instance, like you need to work harder on this and being really tough on myself. And then also at in other areas being like, you need to you need to slow down, you might need to just recognize your successes here. And I think for me, a lot of it is just like having to take things as they come. And in more recent years, I've kind of just like accepted, like I've, I've done DBT therapy and there's a part of DBT called radical acceptance, which is basically if you have a situation that you can't change, you have to accept it and work with it. And one of the things that's really helped me is just accepting that it's never going to be linear. I'm not climbing a mountain. I am riding a roller coaster and having to look for the handlebars every time. And if I grab the handlebars, I'm doing a good job. Does that answer the question? <laughs> well, with some of that, uh, you mentioned like sometimes you feel like you're not making progress or you're just trying to do a little more each day. Uh, and I, I've always coached, if you look at like the squiggly lines of the stock market, and it goes up and down and up and down. But when you look at a 30 day or, or three year span, hopefully you're up from where you started. And I really don't like the phrase, I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. Cause you're never going to make progress every day. There's always going to be little setbacks. I want to be better today than I was 30 days ago or that what I was three months ago or a year ago. And I, I know that's, that's hard for people to, I mean, I deal with it with Brian. He shoots one tournament and then the next tournament, his score is a little lower and he feels that it's a failure. No, you're going to go up and down. That's what averages are made from. And same thing with progress with, with health. There's always going to be a, a bad day. And, and then when you mentioned you got to get up and, and try harder and be true to yourself and there's being true to yourself and saying, okay, I'm not trying hard enough, but not every day when you don't make progress is a lazy day or a day that you quit on yourself. It's, it's the rest that your body needs and that your mind needs. And there's a difference between being lazy one day and, and resting one day. And that's just as important as pushing to move forward. Yeah. Especially going back to that rest day, that's one of your favorite episodes of this podcast is the importance of rest. And I know I, myself, a couple of weeks ago, I was physically tired. Yes. But I was very mentally and emotionally completely drained. And I just, I, I just couldn't. And I, I wanted to work out, but it, I couldn't do it. Had I worked out, I wouldn't have been, you know, focused on it. My brain would have been elsewhere. I could have dropped one of the weights. I could have very much injured myself. And I needed to just, you know, grab my, my tub of ice cream and crawl underneath my blankets and turn on my favorite TV show. And give myself the emotional and mental rest that I, that I, I needed. And I think 
especially in the, you know, in the sports world, I don't think that it is recognized enough that mental health and emotional health is just as important. Yeah. I think with, with any, with any public figure, whether it be athletes or actors, I mean, look at and go back to Robin Williams uh, and he, always looked happy. I mean, he was the ultimate comedian. And I mean, they, they talk about his, his character as the genie. And I mean, we can go back into the Mork and Mindy days or the Miss Stoutfire thing. I mean, every role that he had, and he had a couple serious roles mixed in there, but they were always these happy go lucky, always a smile on his face. Anytime you made an appearance, but he struggled with mental illness for, for years and depression and, and stuff like that. And, and you see that with a lot more, uh, especially as like his case came out and a couple other uh, celebrities and have come out. And I think more people are, are more comfortable coming out and saying kind of like another me too movement where it's once that one person I mean, broke the ice and said, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Other people are, are comfortable doing it. Well, it's not as much of an embarrassment anymore. I remember in, in grade school and elementary and even high school, if you went to therapy, people looked at you like you were broken. And now I, my therapist is one of the greatest ladies I know. And, and there are times that I will you know, share with others things that she has, has helped me with. Whereas 30 years ago, I would never have done that. And so the fact that it's becoming more accepted and seen as the benefit is is great. I mean, we, we have our, our annual physical checkup. We need, I personally feel that we need at least an annual mental and emotional checkup too. Yeah, I, I've said that a lot. Like you said, you go to a doctor as everyone says, okay, you're getting your physical, you go to get your teeth cleaned and, and stuff like that. No one makes a big deal. But if you'd say you're going to the psychiatrist or psychologist, just it's always oh geez what's wrong i mean are, are you a nutcase it's like why maybe when the insurance companies they 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 provide you with a physical each year and they provide you with two dental cleanings each year maybe when the the insurance companies say you know what we're going to give you at least one if not two wellness visits with a therapist each year I mean, it, it could cut down on some of those other bills that they have to pay because they're giving you it would actually cost them less in the long run if they did that. And yeah, I, anxiety and depression and panic attacks are so physical there. They, especially anxiety, you, you get your heart racing. People can have an anxiety attack that feels like a heart attack. And that right there is going to be an emergency room visit where is super expensive. And the insurance covers that. Whereas, you know, a visit with your therapist is not going to be, you know, four or $5,000 like an ER visit. Yes, if you're having the tightening of the chest and you feel, you know, that something is wrong, go to the ER. That's true. But a, a wellness check, mental and emotional, is just as important. Uh, Kaylin, I know you have your, your professional support staff that you, you deal with. But when you don't have those regular visits, I know at one point you've gone back to back and forth from when you went regularly to when you went kind of on call as you felt needed. What did you do on your own to keep in check uh, when when you didn't get I don't want to say so bad, but when you didn't feel the need to go make an appointment, what did you do as your own checkpoints um, to just make sure you're still 
progressing in the right direction without using the professional help for those moments? So uh, I do use a lot of tools that I learned from professionals. So one of the biggest things is I use DBT therapy, which is dialectal behavioral therapy. Um, And the basis of that is basically understanding that multiple things can be true at once and understanding that certain things can't be changed. And sometimes things just need to be accepted. And it really, that's always been something that I've practiced a lot is being really mindful, um, using DBT skills, like um, self-soothing skills and things like that. I also, I meditate every day. I practice mindfulness um, at least once a day. Um, And that's really helpful. The thing about mindfulness that's always been really helpful for me is I've never looked at it as a practice of clearing my mind. I looked at it more as a practice of picking up my brain, almost like cleaning my brain and looking at it as like, I, when the thoughts come in, I just have to refocus in the moment in my body and be present. And that has had a cumulative effect that helps me be mindful. It helps me from getting into a really depressed place. Um, so when I've lapsed in between therapy or I haven't gone regularly, those are a lot of the tools I use. I also do free group therapy often. Um, and that's really helpful. Sometimes if I don't want to do individualized therapy, I'll jump into a group. And the thing about a group is if a lot of people who do therapy, if you do it for years, you get to a point where you're like, I've hit a wall. I'm not getting anything out of this. And we're humans, we're relational beings. And one of the best things that people can do if you've like, I guess, graduated therapy is like start a group, like go into a group because you learn so much from other people. And like sometimes doing one-on-one therapy doesn't teach me enough. And I need to learn how other people are coping, how other people are dealing. And sometimes I need the accountability to be like, you know, you've got your problems. You wouldn't pick up anybody else's in this room. You can manage your own. And you look around and everybody else is like, I would not want what you have. So I'm good with my own stuff here. And that's kind of what I do if I lapse with like individual, like traditional talk therapy. I love that analogy of if everyone in the room were to throw their problems in a pile in the middle of the floor, 99.9% chance you will go back and grab your own because yep. you, you don't want what other people have. Nope. Well, you mentioned a, a couple things there where you mentioned like the, the mindfulness and you don't use it as a clearing your mind where you use it more as understanding where, where your mind is and, and just recognizing it. And that, that's kind of like when uh, I had met, messaged you when I watched the the Game Changers documentary on, on eating plant-based. And, and I messaged you and my friend Jamie, who I played Little League Baseball with. And, and both of you are, are vegans and or more plant-based. And, and you'll, you'll throw a little, like he said, he'll have goldfish crackers that technically have dairy and cheese in it. So he's not strict, strict, strict. But where his thing was more on like the, the animal thing, where yours is more on the health thing. But one thing that you had mentioned was it, it's positive for you because instead of counting calories to avoid eating, you needed to count calories so you would eat enough. So again, two different ways of looking at things where some people have to count to keep themselves back. You count the other way. The other one you mentioned is kind of like accepting things you can't change. 
And you, you mentioned the ADHD. So if you can accept the things that you can't change, you must have no problem when your nephews are visiting and they're like bouncing off the walls all the time, like the puppies. Oh yeah. No problems at all. I have, I, and it's funny cause they, cause we all like have ADHD in some sense or the other. So I understand the like hyperactivity. So like Dylan will walk around in circles and I have to tell him, go pace up and down. Like, I get it. I know you have to do this, but please stop pacing around me. You're making me dizzy. I'm also nuts. Just go pace back and forth. <laughs> and then Brian just doesn't stop talking. <laughs> just, and I wonder where, I wonder where he gets it from. Definitely not our side of the family. <laughs> I honestly don't know where that one comes from. That's probably, that's probably Maria's side of the family, <laughs> but, and what, what things, what things are you going to try that you've maybe researched on that you haven't implemented yet that you've seen different practices? Like you say, sometimes you just, and with anything, you mentioned how you eventually graduate, so to speak from therapy where not to say you can never learn more, but eventually you just start repeating practices. You go back to chapter one, do it all. And that's the same thing with like weightlifting and weight training. You hear about how you hit a plateau and you got to change. First you lift heavy and low reps, then you hit light and high reps and you got to keep going back and forth. Have you seen any other studies or practices out there that have caught your attention that you haven't tried yet that you think might work for you? Yeah. Yeah. I really want to try ACT therapy, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, and it's a lot about value-based living. Um, so like one of the things I like to do every three to six months or basically I'm like 26. So I'm always having a quarter life crisis. So like every time I'm having like a crisis, I go back and I have this like list from an old therapist of all of these values. And I go through and I write down like, okay, these are my core top five values. And then I write them out like on a chart and I list all of the ways I'm living consistently with them or the ways I'm living inconsistently with my values. And ACT is one of the, it, it's a little bit more formalized and it kind of teaches you skills to be consistently practicing. And it's also a therapy that's like big on accountability, which I really am interested in. That's something I really want to try. I also, in terms of managing, I want to incorporate more exercise. Um, I want to incorporate a lot more mild exercise and I want to incorporate some high intensity um, because I've been researching and high intensity exercise can really help with ADHD. It's like, again, the like physical and mental can't be separated. Exercise creates serotonin, it helps dopamine production. So it's like, those are things that I'm trying to work in now um, to do a little bit more maintenance. Well, yeah, was... the exercise helps me so much. I mean, even just mm. recently, I was having a relatively significant bad day for me, and I was having a very difficult time getting out of the out of the funk that I was in. So, as part of the competition that Jay and I have going with our mileage that we track each month, I hadn't done a run lately. Where I live, it's you know been 110, 112. So running is not exactly the most favorite activity at this time of year. But yesterday I went ahead and sucked it up and went and hit the treadmill and did two miles. And I, I sweated it out. 
I, I literally sweated everything out, but I also sweated out the, the, the funk that I was in. It, it helped get me pat over the hump. It helped me finish getting out what I needed to get out. Um, yeah, I cried more later, but it, it was that little, that push that I needed to get that moving where it needed to go. Well, you had mentioned accountability, Caitlin, you mentioned that, and that was actually, uh, Jen has filled in when, when Shruti can't make the, the podcast. And one of the episodes we did was on accountability. And I mean, you, you know me that I'm in constant energy as well. I, I have undiagnosed or self-diagnosed ADHD and I don't have it <laughs> clinically diagnosed, but I know it's in there somewhere. I think back in the eighties, they didn't really diagnose it as much as they do now. Everyone just had it. Um, but it's one of those things that even as a coach and as an athlete and uh, as a trainer, it's sometimes I still need that accountability aspect. And like you said, we have our challenge where we have the spreadsheet and we put our information in there where every now and then I have the exercise physiologist that helped me through rehab. I, I still check in with her. And, and like I told her, I went through a run. I kind of got a little nervous telling her that there was a marathon runner in the group that I'm working with at the gym. She is 65. So the pace is kind of slow. So that made her feel a little better than not going to get the heart rate up. But it's one of those things where everyone can use accountability. And I say, if you have a test, you study more. When I played in a band, it's like, no, we, no one can make practice. And then all of a sudden we have a gig. And now three nights in one week, we all of a sudden can all make it for a rehearsal. So whenever there's something there that you need to be accountable for, we always find the time for it. And, and that's just one of those things where every time you you check in with someone uh, or you have someone that can push you. It definitely helps. Yeah. Just being able to check in even, you know, we, we, I've heard it put and I've heard a lot of people say that usually the, the church is full on Christmas and Easter or when someone's going through a hard time, you know, there, there's more prayers set at the hospital than there are actually in, in the church building. And it's because we feel that, that, desperateness at that particular point. Whereas, you know, the same with uh, going to therapy, having that mental health checkup, when we're at our worst, we make a call, we send a text and said, hey, can I schedule an appointment? Things aren't going well. Whereas if we were on a regular, you know, even it'd be once a month, once every six weeks, just check in, it would be great. My diabetes, I go every three months for a checkup. Maybe I should, you know, start doing that with my therapist as well every three months just for a checkup, just to see how I'm doing and, and you know, download and, and get that little boost. Well, I know that's one thing that anytime you, you, I mean, whether it's working with family or trying to help family, there's, there's always a tension there. And I know in the past and with you and with dad and, um, and with Lori, your mother, my stepmother, um, we've always gone back and forth on the fitness things. It's like their way of, of being healthy is like eating like mice. I mean, what, what Lori makes for four of us to eat is what Brian can eat in one sitting. And, and it's like, I try to talk to them and oh, I'm not doing that. And I know in the past uh, you were similar to that, but then a month ago we were on the phone for a good hour where you were asking me for advice, which 
don't get me wrong. I mean, my foot, if you could see under the desk, I was stepping on that imaginary brake pedal as much as I could to not spit too much information. Cause I was, I was happy for you that you were making the conscious decision to, you know what, now it's time to, to really look at the physical health and, and work on that and wanted to give you the information with that. And, and that's the same thing. Uh, we're working with Jen, where I wrote her workout program. Like I do a three day a week, full body Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so to speak, where I know if she doesn't have that momentum going that, that break in the middle might stop her. So I had to split hers and do a push day, pull day, leg day, where she does something every day, but a smaller scale because she needs the accountability of going every day. If all of a sudden you give her the day off, now the day off becomes two days off, becomes three days off, and it's hard to get going again. Um, and having that person that can just check on you for accountability is big. And, and what are you going to do moving forward just for the accountability? And and I've always put like physical health, it, it, it travels through your mind, through your heart, and it, it touches your both mentally and emotionally as well. And are there checks that, I mean, how much does your discomfort and your physical health affect your mental health. And, and what are you doing to, to push that side and have that accountability to hopefully get the, the mental and emotional side? I think like in the last few months, I've done a lot more research and I, I also, excuse me, I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until last year. So I, it was a lot of research. And like one of the biggest things was, exercise is a huge way to manage it. And I, that's one of the biggest things that's keeping me accountable. The other thing is I started working from home, um, before the pandemic hit and I, my company is fully remote and that coupled with ADHD was really hard. So part of wanting to start exercising and physical health was to give myself structure during the day. And that's like something that's really keeping me motivated because I moved to a new city. I don't know anybody. There's a lot of motivational factors in pursuing physical health. I think the other thing was like, as, cause like, you know, like with like our family background, like I was the way that I was, oh, and now includes unlimited minutes. Yeah. Well, hey, we just got a message from zoom. I have no idea what that is, but okay. So we'll keep going. <laughs> that that yeah, was a new I, one. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Um, yeah, like I, I was also like, I've grown up, like I've always been overweight and I grew up in an environment that kind of the way my relationship with exercise and physical health was, it always felt like a punishment for existing in the body I had. So it took me until um, someone, I think about two years ago, it said like, I'm still unlearning that exercise and eating healthy is not punishment for being fat. And that was something that was really eye opening for me because I had always been like the way that I, I had never been taught that exercise was something to do to make your body feel good. I was only taught that it was to change the most visible thing about you. So I had a really unhealthy relationship with my physical, with even wanting to address my physical health because I had it so closely associated with, you need to change the way you look. And as I got older, I had to get to a point where my physical health was not about weight loss. And that's where I'm at now. Like me taking my physical health seriously at this point in my life is mostly about my mental health. 
And it's also just about like physical goals. Like I want to be stronger. One of my friends is in the circus, like literally in the circus and she does aerial arts and she's so strong and like could probably lift a car. And that's like really inspired me to want to be stronger. And I also like, I want to have kids someday and like seeing my nephews, I need to have enough energy to run around. If I have children even remotely like them, I need to be able to run around. So I like, I have a lot of like motivational factors now and it took a while, but I think for me, like the biggest thing was like, realizing that it was just for me. It wasn't for results. It wasn't for a like goal. It wasn't for a size. It was just for like, I wanted to feel better. I wanted to be stronger. I want to, I don't, I broke my ankle like two years ago. I don't want to have mobility issues later in life. Having to not like walk on my ankle for a while. I was like, I need to prevent these as long as I can. So there were a lot of things that kind of came together um and now is like a really great time i'm touring uh, a new gym tomorrow so well it's like the, you say you don't you don't exercise because you don't like your body you exercise because you love your body and you want to take care of it and that's and again it goes into to mindset and just same thing where you're, you're not counting calories to to restrict yourself you're counting them to make sure you get enough uh, so there is a lot of different mindset things with it and, and just, just keep moving with it and keep moving forward. But it, it definitely does. They all, all three mental, emotional, physical health definitely tie in with each other. And when you, when you feel physically better, and like you said, just, just the mobility and being able to move around more comfortable is going to help you mentally. And, and Jen's laughing over there when you mentioned keeping up with your nephews because she met she met them when when she came to visit and they were they were at dad's and we got up there and Brian was her tour guide and took her around the mountain and and when we got in the car and we were leaving she started laughing she was sitting in the front with me and Maria and Brian were in the middle and Dylan in the way back and she says I'm watching the clock over the past nine minutes, not one clock minute went by where he didn't say something. He was never quiet for a full 60 seconds <laughs> and she was just laughing at it. So she, she knows what they're, they're like. Yeah. And, and they're great. And they, and, but I agree. Yes. You, you'll need more energy if you are going to have any, you know, offspring similar to that. And it looks like it runs in the family. So I, I would be that uh, my own daughter when, when she was younger, uh, trying to run and keep up with her, even all the way through high school. Um, so it's not just young ones, but the high school, my goodness, I mean, my, my daughter made me tired her junior year of high school. She worked a, a part-time job. She was in the JROTC on the color guard, the tennis team, as well as choir. And I, somehow she maintained still a 4.0 with three AP classes. I was like, okay, you know, breathe. Um, sleep is important. That's, you know, remember that part, but it was, you know, the energy to, to keep up with her, the also being emotionally and, and mentally capable of keeping up with a, a, a teenager is, is there. And that, that takes, that takes a lot. I, I admire all the parents of teenagers and all the parents of little ones, actually parents in general, but you know, it's being able to accept and put mental health in the forefront and let people know that it's okay 
it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And by not being okay, if we address that, we are taking care of ourselves and we will be more okay later. And that's what's important. It's important for us. It's important for our kids. It's important for our families, for our country, our sports teams. It's important for life. I know, Caitlin, I know you you struggled with issues to, even through high school and going back into your, your teenage years. And I just pulled something up that it's 2021 stats. And obviously COVID played into a lot of things with everyone being isolated. It says uh, youth mental health is worsening 9.7% of youth in the U S have severe major depression compared to 9.2 in the, the last, last years. Um, and then they said, if you have multiple races in your family, it's up to 12.4. Um, obviously Brian, Brian and Dylan both have the ADHD, Brian, more emphasis on the H and Dylan, like you said, it's more of the, the, the focus aspect. Uh, my, my nephew, uh, your nephew, uh, Jacob, and uh, I can mention this because uh, my brother, the Simon Says Farm ad that you guys have heard on here, uh, he's got a, a farm show and they've even talked about mental health on their YouTube channel and their show. So they're public with that. And I actually asked my brother about having Jacob on. He said, if I asked him a month ago and they were able to prepare, he, he said, springing it on him three hours before would not have been good. Um, but what would be your advice to to teenagers or, or the parents of teenagers that might be listening. Cause I've tried to get Brian to talk. He's like, Oh, I don't know what to say. And I don't want to talk to anyone and to tell teens and high school age that it's okay to talk about it. Not, some, nothing's wrong with you. Something's different with you maybe, but it's not wrong. And what would be your advice to that, that teenage crowd and, and the parents that are dealing with it, that feel helpless because they don't know what to do. What would be your advice to them? I think my first piece of advice would be get rid of the phone, get rid of the smartphone. I think like, and I mean, I've had a smartphone. I love my smartphone. I use it for work all the time. I use it for a bunch of stuff. I didn't get a smartphone until I was 17. I think like I was in my senior year of college. I don't even think I had a smartphone until like my day of graduation. And it like when I have kids, they're not getting it for 17 years. I'm going to listen to everyone has a phone, but me. Um, and that's fine because the more I read about it, the more I'm like, this is heightening almost all of this. It's heightening the depression. It's heightening the anxiety. It's, and it, there are plenty of documentaries on it. And it's, and it's one of those things where I think that's like a major factor for teenagers today. Like you have like teenagers have Twitter and they're seeing horrifying news all the time. They're seeing like doomsday news constantly. And that's very anxiety provoking. And then they're also entering teenagers are also entering into a very confusing world, especially with COVID jobs are insecure. College is no longer the key to a career path. Like it's a very confusing time. Gen Z really got a horrible short end of a stick because millennials got screwed in one way, but basically what happened was when millennials got screwed, no one learned any lessons and Gen Z is just kind of going into the wild west. So that's like one of those things where it's like, I think the biggest thing is put down the smartphones and stop using social media. Like it's so unhealthy to be looking at a bunch of other people who have curated 
their Instagram. Like there is a great documentary on HBO that I think every teenager should watch called Fake Famous came out in 2020. Um, and they created influencers. They created fake influencers. And it shows you how all these people for the most part are fake. And I think that really feeds into anxiety and depression because it, it provokes comparison. It provokes jealousy. It's all of these different things that can really plague people. And I think having so much fixation on phones and being so wrapped up in a digital world really hurts people's development. Just like genuinely teenagers, their brains are not fully developed. Like as smart as they might be, their brains are not fully developed and humans are relational beings. Kids communicating with their friends through the phones all the time is it can't happen anymore. I think the biggest thing is kids need to talk to their friends about how they're feeling and really talk about like, how you're feeling sad, how you're feeling anxious, what you're doing about it. Are you getting help? Do you know anything about getting help? And like when you feel really bad, like going to a trusted adult, going to someone that you really trust, not looking on like a crazy Reddit board, like don't, don't Google search it all the time. Talk to people, you know, and see what people have experienced. And I think like the biggest thing is like, just talk, just talk about it face-to-face -face with other people. It'll alleviate it in ways that you don't even realize it's happening because it's changing the way your brain works. I think the younger generations really are tied as much as I use social media and use the internet and stuff like that. And, and let's just kind of like, I just looked it up. The, the iPhone was released on June 29th, 2007. So when you mentioned you didn't have one until you were 17 years old, roughly 10 years ago, smartphones are only about five years old. So they, they weren't quite around yet. And obviously when I was that age, that cell phones didn't exist at all, but I remember being the bridge and I'd be and Jen would be generation X. I remember, and Caitlin's a, a bookworm and can read. I mean, she'd finish war and peace before I finished green eggs and ham. That's how much she reads. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember when you wanted to do like, your, your book report where you would read a book and go onto YouTube and you wanted to make videos. And I was the one stuck in the middle because, and dad and, and your mother didn't want you doing that. And I'd have to turn to them and say, Hey, listen, the, the world is the internet. You got to understand that this is what it's going to be in the future. And then I had to turn to you and say, listen, they're just trying to protect you because there are. So I was that bridge of old enough to understand what was there, but young enough to still kind of be on your side. Um, but yeah, I, I see it all the time, especially with younger groups that when you even mentioned talking on the phone, there's so many in their 20s that don't even like phone conversations, that everything is done through texting and email. And I, I think the, the ability to actually write by hand is literally going to be an art form in 50 years. People won't even know how to write. It's that, it's that bad. But I, I definitely like the, the talk to someone part, find someone you trust. Um, I think maybe... And you hear about it like with sex education, with schools, whose job is that? Is it the parents or is it the school system? I think there should be one period where it is kind of like just a peer support group where all the kids get in the room and, and just talk, just have open conversation about anything that they need to get off their chest and, and where it's not going to the, to the, I mean, they're the school counselor, the guidance counselor, the therapist, where it's just you and your peers and obviously an adult supervision in there, but having that open conversation would be good if we implemented that. I'd say from the middle, at least the middle school level and high school level. Um, I'm not sure how much would, how effective it would be in the elementary school level, 
but like you said, talking is definitely a big one. And then from a parent standpoint, trying to talk to your kids as much as possible. And it's, it's just as uncomfortable for them as it is for you coming from a parent standpoint. And Jen, what would be your, your thing? Cause I, I know what you go through with family members that you have and what would you, you say? Cause I, I mean, I'm on the, the, that tail end of, I have the high school kids and the middle school kids and, and trying to see where they're going forward and, and dealing with and right now it's just, I say just ADHD, but it's also, I mean, my mother, when I was visiting her saw what I deal with having three of them in the house. Cause my wife has it too. And how much I go nuts watching the three of them scattered all over the place at times. Well, I'm on the, on, I would say the downhill slide. Um, but you're never a downhill slide once you're a parent, but my, my child has grown. She, she's an adult living on her own. And what I did when she was in school is I made myself available Uh, no matter what, no matter when, no matter what, you know, if it was, she was getting home from work at one o'clock in the morning and she wanted to talk, she came and woke me up and we would talk and I would talk as long as she needed to. I could sleep later. You know, we only have our kids for a very short amount of time and being able to keep that line of communication open and let her know that it was comfortable, no matter what the topic was. If it was, you know, a bully in school, if it was she didn't like this particular food, if it was a sex question, if it was, you know, life or death question, a religious question, whatever it was, I, I, I worked very diligently to make sure that she felt comfortable and not judged or belittled by the question that she was asking. If she thought it was a stupid question, she should know the answer. I never, I never let on. I actually never even believed that was the, the case because the only stupid question is the one that's never asked. And so she was able to, to ask questions. Um, her friends were the same way. They knew that they could come to me. I know that there were some of her friends' parents that she went to. Sometimes it's not our own parents that, that are the most comfortable to talk to. But having someone that we can trust, be it a coach, be it a parent, be it a teacher, be it someone in authority of some sort that we have confidence in, that we feel safe around, that we know is not going to lead us astray. Even now, mid-40s, having someone that I can talk to that I feel comfortable around that I know is not going to lead me astray. We, we all need that, whether we're five or 45. So to wrap it up, Caitlin, what would be your your closing comments about the whole mental health thing and just where, where you think we, we should go as a society moving forward and how to deal with it? I think we're at like a really great time for the conversation around mental health and access to mental health care. I mean, we have an entire world of traumatized people now. We just lived through a giant event of mass trauma that is just spawning a bunch of other things, but we're also seeing Olympians saying, hey, I can't do this right now. This is going to put my physical health at risk. And I think that that is such a big moment because Michael Phelps might have talked about mental health a few years ago when he was having a lot of trouble and then he ended up joining Talkspace. What Simone Biles did is she she said, I can't do this at the Olympics. And I think that is a really pivotal point for mental health because Olympians are what we all look at 
and view as like a model of endurance, a model of resilience. And she proved that she is that by taking this step and by doing this on such a large platform. And I think it's a really big step in the right direction, especially at a time like this, because the majority of the people who responded, responded positively. And the people who responded negatively, their like biggest athletic achievement is like running to like scream at nothing. So like they, I mean, I think I heard a joke that was like Piers Morgan's only athletic achievement is running off the set after someone criticized him. So it's like, we've got really great examples right now. And I think we're moving in a really good direction. And I think we're also at a point where talking about it is unavoidable. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, def- definitely a good thing. So I want to thank Jen for helping me co-host again this episode. And uh, Caitlin, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story. And hopefully this conversation helps people moving forward. And we'll see you next week. Hi, it's Coach Jay from the Power Shift Mindset Podcast and Beam Motivation. I want to let you know that I'm going to be teaming up with the Grind Health Club on Watertown Avenue in Waterbury, Connecticut. You can contact Dwayne, the owner and head trainer, at 475-235-4699 to book a personal training session with me. Just ask for Coach Jay. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at the PowerShift Mindset. And also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to the PowerShift Mindset.